Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this special series on the future of farmland in Northumberland County. I'm your host, Robert Washburn. There are 840 farms in Northumberland County. The vast majority are prime agriculture land. That is a designation that ranks these areas as best for growing crops to feed us. Yet these lands are under threat, and that has many people in Northumberland worried, especially farmers. On July 29th, about 100 people gathered at the Best Western in Coburg to listen to five panelists. They outlined the challenges facing those wishing to protect farmland in Northumberland County. The event was organized by a group of residents and farmers known as the Northumberland Rural Coalition. The event was recorded live by Northumberland 89.7 FM. Over the next few weeks, we will be presenting the speakers in a five-part series. If you care about the food on your table, this series will give you food for thought. This week's speaker is MPP Stephanie Brown, the Liberal Agricultural Critic at Queen's Park. Here is Alan Crothers, the Forum Chair and President of the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture, giving the introduction. Stephanie Bowman, an MPP, is a, she's an Ontario Liberal Caucus Critic for the Agricultural Food and Rural Affairs, Finance and Infrastructure. Stephanie is a mom, an accountant, a former bank executive, and a respected community leader. She recently served as a member of the Board of the Bank of Canada. Prior to that, she was a senior executive with Scotia Bank and a partner in Ernst & Young. She has more than 25 years of experience leading large, diverse teams in Canada and abroad. She holds an honors BA in Business Administration from Western University, Ivy Business School, and a Chartered Accountant designation. She is, a she is the fellow of the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario and member of the Institute of Corporate Directors. Stephanie Bowman. Thank you, Alan. First of all, I want to say thank you for the invitation to be here. It is an honor, and it is encouraging to see how many people here do care about preserving our, our agricultural land. Um, how many people are here? Alan or Michael, do you know? How many? How many? Is that like about 100 people? So I think that's, again, part of why I'm here is because this is important and it informs my work uh, at Queen's Park because I can go back to Queen's Park in the fall and say, hey, one of the things I did this summer was attend a forum where 100 people showed up to talk about what we need to do to preserve our, our agricultural land. So I do want to thank you all for organizing this and thank you for attending. I also want to acknowledge that Ted Shu is here, one of my uh, Ontario Liberal Party colleagues, um, and uh, uh, he's making a, a great effort as well to be informed and to learn, and, and that is really why we're here. So you might wonder, first of all, why somebody with the background that Alan just read out is here to talk about uh, farming and agriculture. Or, but I have to say, I asked actually for this uh, this critic role um, because I grew up in London, Ontario, and both of my parents grew up on farms near Stratford, and so um, I certainly learned, you know, the hard work of farmers from my grandparents and and from my parents.
friends and spent many, many weekends and, and summer holidays, etc., at my grandparents' farm. The other thing is that my, my grandmother later in life lived on a farm here in Northumberland County. Uh, she lived in uh, near Roseneath, and so uh, I have spent quite a bit of time here as well when I was young, and, and so it's great to be back here. So um, I want to talk a little bit about you know why I got into why I got into politics, why I think this is an important topic, and talk a little bit about uh, again what this what some of the legislation that's been introduced by this government is doing to to hurt our farmland, and what I, I think we can do to uh, to help and, and, and to fix that. Um, I have already learned a lot from the speakers who've spoken this morning, um, Eric and Paul and Wendy, and I look forward to hearing from Margaret as well. I know I know that you're all here to learn, and I am too. So while I have the chance to share a few thoughts, I am looking forward to your questions. But you know, one of the reasons I got into politics because you know my 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 husband and my two kids, we spent a lot of time um, in the Caledon area, and every year we would drive up there north of Toronto. It's kind of northwest of Toronto, beautiful farmland, and every Every year, as we drove north, I would shed a few more tears. I almost, I said, I, I'm, I, I'm getting worried. I can't, I feel angst every time I drive here because I could see a new development being built over beautiful farmland every year. You know, every season you'd go up and you'd see another change or you'd, after the winter you'd go back up and see another change. And those those things are things that concern me. You know, we, we I think um, I think it was Paul who talked about, you know, the, the fact that these areas were settled because they had beautiful farmland, because they were near water. And that means that we have to continue to protect that land. And, and I know our Indigenous partners as well want to make sure that that happens and so it's again it's important that we have these kind of discussions I think that as was said you know all political parties have 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 more work to do um, and certainly you know I think that uh, as these crises face us more and more every day we know that there are things that we we need to do we need to keep talking about it um, you know, preserving farmland was something that during the pandemic, I think we all actually got you know a little a little taste of that, right? We saw how um, you know borders being closed or supply chain shortages hurting us and hitting us, um, and they continue to affect us with you know high food prices, and that's a whole other uh, kind of conversation to have. But we know that having farmland here in Ontario, it helps us to reduce our our carbon footprint because we're you know producing food locally. Uh, it helps to reduce greenhouse gases if we're producing it locally. So we need to make sure that we're doing this. It's not just about our food supply, it's about our environment as well and uh, and all and feeding all our both ourselves as well as people around the world who rely on on the farmland that we have here to uh, to make sure that we we have enough food. Um, you know, one of the things in my role as finance critic that I I criticize the government on is this 319 acres being uh, chewed up every day. Um, they've got a food supply or food security strategy. And that's, you know, a few million dollars and that's a good thing, but preserving our farmland would actually have, as, as you all know, it's a big, big part of how we secure our food supply. And if they're not taking actions on that, that, that is a problem. You know, governing is about balancing many priorities, right? You know, we do have, we have an affordability crisis. We have problems in our education system. We have problems in our healthcare system. We have environmental challenges. We have reconciliation challenges, you know, uh, work to do with our Indigenous um, partners. And so there are a lot of challenges. Housing, of course, is a challenge. But that is, that is not the only challenge. Housing cannot be the only challenge that this government is, 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 uh, is addressing. And that's, I think, where one of my biggest 
those concerns isn't as, as the critic that I'm trying to use my platform and my voice to speak about how we need to balance all of those priorities. So the, um, the legislation that, that Eric did a great job of summarizing this morning housing you know the government is talking about how they're doing so much on housing but housing cannot be built at the expense of these other things and there are lots of people who are talking about how it doesn't have to be that way so you know this legislation they talk about making it easier right making it easier to to uh, to build to get development done but what it is really doing is making it easier to pave over our farmland. That, at the end of the day, is what this is about. Um, you know, a lot of the uh, this, you know the omnibus bills that have been presented that are now legislation. There was talk about how they are opening up, you know, um, streamlining processes, and and that might be true, and that is a good goal, absolutely, and I can support that. But I can't support, uh, and that's why we voted against these bills. Is is not as we we've talked about today the, the fact that they actually hurt. The, uh, the farmland around our cities. The government's own housing affordability task force said that they did not need to build in the green belt, and I know that's not where we are today, but it's an important part of the overall plan, um, is uh, that they did not need to build in the green belt to meet their housing uh, targets. So this 1.5 million homes that need to be built to house, you know, new immigrants and Canadians who who are people who are already here who are looking for homes, that can be done in our existing footprints, right? Um, you know, the city of Hamilton is one where uh, they came forward with their plan to meet their housing target, and they showed how they could do it within their city limits. I had the chance to be in Hamilton not too long ago, and I looked around, and I, I mean, there is tons of of land in the city. There are tons of buildings that have become derelict um, that, is, that are still opportunities to build. And while they've made, a, they've made a lot of efforts to revitalize some of those areas, they know they still have work to do, and they had a plan for that. What did this government do? They said, no, sorry, we're not accepting that plan. You will build out into farmland. That's actually what's happening right now in Hamilton. So the, the city is upset, uh, residents are upset, they continue to speak out about it, but that is what we need to do is to continue to speak, speak out about these things. Um, you know, I know that we've got, uh, um, uh, that you've got a particular situation here in Northumberland County where there is land that is about to be, um, you know, paved over. And we'll, I can t we'll talk more a little bit about later about what, you know, what I think you can continue to do to, uh, to fight that. But those are things worth fighting for, right? It is worth fighting for, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're doing that. So let me just talk a little bit about Bill 23, and I know, again, Eric gave a really good overview, so I'm not going to, to go into the, the actual you know, description of the law, but the idea of, of what I think some of the issues are with this bill and, and why I think it, it's hurting us. So cities issue permits, right? And they issue, they don't build homes, and they talk about that regularly. Um, you know, the, the politicians are municipal politicians. So yes, as I said, streamlining those regulations, that will help, but what I really think we need to do and I think Eric or Paul mentioned that, uh, Paul I think mentioned this, you know, getting, getting a group of people together. Um, there are actually people in cities who are, like me, who are saying, you know what, yes in my backyard, right, Yimbies, not NIMBYs, and are aware that you've got, we've got precious farmland that we want to protect, that we can densify. There's a group called More Neighbors Toronto. They are talking about saying, how do I get more neighbors? I want more people living in my community, not building outside the community. So they are welcoming development, welcoming densification. And so those are the kind of things that we want to continue to, to enforce. But 
all of those people who I talk to are saying, you know, there are, they give ex examples of projects that are not getting done because of different rules, even with the, this new legislation. So I really think we need to have those kind of conversations. And I like pilots, you know, coming from the business world, I like real projects and tangible solutions. So let's take a project or let's, you know, take a town where they might be saying, yes, we need to build more homes uh, to, to meet our population growth, et cetera. Let's get a group of people in the room and talk about what we can do differently. And maybe, yes, you break a few, I'll use the word rules, not to jeopardize anyone's safety, of course, but to think about thinking outside the box around how we could try some new things to get a project built. Um, you know, one example I heard about in Toronto was um, a wealthy uh, business owner wanted to give one of his buildings to, or bought a building, I forget, you know, bought a building with this purpose in mind for low-income housing. And the requirements around having, you know, parking spots was a problem. And he said, the people I'm building for don't have cars, they have shopping carts. We don't need parking spots for the, this group. And he could not make it happen. He worked for years to try to get this home, these, you know, these units built. Eventually he sold, he sold it, he, he couldn't make it happen. So that would be an example where you say, let's get people together, let's talk about what we can do specifically to build more within our city boundaries so we are not going out and expanding into farmland. We know that developers like doing that, because it's easier, and I'm not. I'm not. You know, certainly criticizing all developers. Developers build homes. We need developers to build homes, but building in a farm on a piece of farmland is a lot easier than building in the cities. So we need to find ways that we incent them to build in the cities, and disincent them to build outside. Right, and those are things that again your municipalities can can talk about too. You know, development charges, Bill 23 reduces development charges. And while there are good, uh, you know, spots where that makes sense to do, for example, in cooperatives, uh, housing, and where people are um, constrained by some of those costs, development charges, the AMO says, um, uh, I think Wendy was talking about this in terms of some of the infrastructure, the AMO estimates that there will be about $5 billion removed from municipal coffers across the province. And... That money, you know, people think of it as revenue. It's really cost recovery, right? You're trying to recover the cost of building the infrastructure to support homes. And even a few years ago, one of their studies showed that it only at the most accounts for about 80% of those costs. So there is still a burden on taxpayers to, you know, provide for growth. Um, but those, those dollars are really now going right back into the hands of developers in my opinion and, and in many others, because the market sets the price for homes, right? So studies have shown development charges are at the most five to 7% of the cost or the price of a home. So it's, yes, you know, that, that's, that's a, it's a, it's a lot of money, but it's not the bulk of the money that it costs, of course, to build a house. And so when you look at taking that money away, um, there have been pilot uh, uh, examples where municipalities on one side of a road compared to another, this one had slightly lower development charges than this one. When two very similar developments came on the market, they were priced exactly the same because it's the market that dictates the price of the homes, right? So um, development charge, you know, removing development charges, in my opinion, really primarily benefits developers. So again, those are things that, that, that we need to fix to make sure that we are, again, providing the right incentives um, for, our municipal for developers, but also for municipalities to make sure they are collecting the money that can build the infrastructure they need, but also improve and maintain the infrastructure within their, their, um, their boundaries. Um, 
So, so let me just move on to Bill 97. And I'm checking my time here as well here. Um, so Bill 97, again, Helping Home Buyers, Protecting Tenants Act, that was really what it was about. That was the, the, the stated goal or the stated title of, of the bill. Um, but as you heard from Eric and uh, uh, about how this, this bill really has created, it begins to treat all municipalities the same, right? So instead of having these different policy statements, there's now this one planning statement. And that can, again, make it easier for municipalities to, to for, and for the for provincial government to rezone land. And that, again, is a pro, you know, problem. We talked about the, the zoning versus preserving. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a new politician and I'm still learning a lot, but I think there was at least one area of land that's been designated, um, and maybe Wendy can help me here too, the Dufflins Rouge um, is, is preserved, but this four government just repealed the act. So that, that land actually was preserved, I think about 18 years ago, and under the Liberal government, and in fact the Conservatives supported it too. All parties came together, they all believed this was the right thing to do. So we can do things to preserve land if we tell our politicians, tell your elected officials that that's important to you, Get talk to your friends about that, Make sure they tell their pol your politicians that that's important. Preserving our land, can, preserving agricultural land can be done. It has been done in the past. This government actually repealed that piece of legislation. So I know, I'm sure Wendy will maybe touch on that. There's more work that we can do to make sure that land that we have preserved can still be preserved and that we preserve more of that land. Um, you know, the other thing is that preserving that land, we've t I talked a little bit about affordability. We need to think about the, all of these problems together. They, are, they intersect, right? And so if we're not preserving our land and we can't produce the food that we need, we know that prices of food will go up. So again, I think to myself, I think, you know, in long-term vision, what is, if you say, where does it end, right? What, if, even if there was a plan, if the if this current government had a plan to say, we're going to allow X amount, you know, yes, we are going to expand boundaries. And maybe we might not like that but we could see that, okay, yes, but it's going to stop here. Right now it feels like it continues to creep. And again, I'm not saying it was only under this government. We all know that we now face a different, a different crisis in terms of our environment and how this land is, is disappearing at a faster rate. And we need to put the brakes on and make sure that we are preserving that land so that we have food for our, again, for our communities, food for the world, and that we maintain, uh, we, we are, that allows us to also provide affordable food. So, We've talked a little bit about how these, how, how do these, what these pieces of legislation do, how do they affect you. We've seen how um, this government is using more and more um, ministerial zoning orders. I know that's a factor in the one of the developments that's uh, that's happening here or about to happen. Um, again, speaking out about how those kinds of things are actually not. Um, not not in not being done in our in a democratic way, right? So when a when a municipality brings forward a plan, it's brought forward by munis, uh, municipal officials and and uh, elected and staff who have sought input from people like you, the citizens. And so when uh, when a zoning order comes in, it's kind of overriding these plans. That actually is anti-democratic, in my opinion. There is a use for them. There can be a space. But this government has had uh, during the election. I had the number. It was over 50. Had been used in. The, done in the first four years compared to, and Ted might be able to help me out here, it was like, I'll just say like a dozen in these 17 years before. It, it, it was an order of magnitude. They're continuing to use them. Again, I think, you know, speaking out about how you don't, you're not just concerned about the specific land that's being affected, but you're concerned about what that does to our democracy, I think is another important um, tactic. 
Um, so in terms of things that, that, that you can do, making noise about these things continues to be important. And I do have a couple slides. I'm going to go to those now, if someone can go to the next slide here. Um, so, you know, here's a picture of, of your town. It's a beautiful, t of Coburg, one of the towns in your county. We know it's a beautiful town. I just want you to count how many uh, windows are above that ground level, right? Two, so two floors above. Let's go to the next slide. Mm -hmm. So this is a, I'll get to the stats in a minute. This is a town in the Netherlands. I'm sure many of you know that the Netherlands is one of the most efficient food producers in the world in terms of their productivity per acre. We have a lot to learn about that as well. And I know farmers are always thinking about that. Um, but there's a lot more I think the government can do on that front as well. But you look here, there's, uh, there's three stories in many cases above. And then the top right, those are homes, right? Those are homes close together in a small town. So those of you who have, who have visited Europe, you know that even in uh, countries that produce a lot of food, their small towns are not spread out like ours are, right? So we've done it because we had a sense in Canada that we have so much land, and we do. But as has been highlighted, it's not all productive farmland, right? So we need to make sure we're preserving it. Next slide, please. So just again, I just picked, we picked the Harlem, the Netherlands, because it's a bit of a similar area. Look at the population, right? So each of them is, you know, 20 to 30 square kilometers, 900 people per square kilometer in Coburg, 7,300 in the Netherlands. So there is, the point is, there is lots of room to densify, right? There's lots of room to make our towns across our province, not just here in Northumberland County, more dense. And one of the things that I think about um, as, as a liberal is vitality. It's a word that resonates with me. I want to see towns across our province that have vitality, not just in the south, everywhere. We have lots of opportunity to grow, to densify in towns across the province. We don't need to spread into farmland. We could stop that now and still have enough land and space to build for the population to come, right? So that is really one of the things I want you to continue to take to your municipal politicians, your provincial representative, who I understand is, is not here today, and your federal uh, as well. And don't just speak to your elected officials, speak to the ministers responsible. Um, you know, one of the things that I get, we get, as, and I'm sure Ted as well, we get at least 100 emails a day. And a lot of them are about specific issues, uh, you know, or sorry, uh, like an individual issue, but others are about common issues, like the environment, like our farmland. We got hundreds of emails with Bill 23, as well as Bill 124, um, and, you know, the bill, I forget the number, that was about taking away education workers' right to strike. It was a you know, anti-democratic bill. We get hundreds of those emails. That is what tells us what's important to you. Right, what's important to constituents. So write to us. The other thing I'm going to say, and again, I know that you guys are organized here a little bit because you're all here today. Um, I think it was uh, Paul who said ask for a meeting or go face to face. Absolutely, ask for a meeting with your local representative. And when you hear no, I want you to call me. And I want to know how many people have asked for a meeting, how many people did not get a response. And I am going to state that number at Queen's Park when I go back. Because these are things that we can do, I can do, Ted can do as an opposition member to say, did you know? Or we can ask a question to the government side of the house, right? 100 people have reached out to Pacini's office, Representative Pacini's office, MPP Pacini's office. 100 of them have had no response. 
Mr. Pagini, or you know, to the speaker, I, you know, I'm asking to the speaker, please explain why you're not meeting with your constituents about problems that are important to them. We can do that kind of thing. So I guess what I'm saying is that yes, while it can be frustrating and, and it's you, you know you might feel like there's nothing you can do, you need to continue to speak out, talk to people. When you don't get an answer, find someone who will who will speak out for you on your behalf because that is what our democracy is about. And um, uh, again, I'm really happy to have been here. I've learned a lot. I can t I know I will learn more from Wendy, and I look forward to uh, to your questions as well. Thank you so much. That was Liberal Agricultural Critic, MPP, Stephanie Brown. This was recorded live. The event was titled The Importance of Protecting Farmland in Northumberland. It was hosted by the Northumberland Rural Coalition, and it involved the Northumberland Federation of Agriculture, and it was sponsored by Community Power Northumberland and the Small Change Fund. Thanks to the team of technicians who helped make this possible, we hope you will join us for the next episode of this series. I'm Robert Washburn for Northumberland 89.7 FM. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast, or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.